0: Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you with your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. And Good morning to everyone worshiping online. Let's take a moment. Let's just, just a, again reaffirm our desire for the Holy Spirit to speak to us this day through His Word. Amen. You think that's a God thing? Amen. Lift your hands towards heaven right now. Father, we just invite your Holy Spirit to fill us, to come upon us, fill this auditorium. And Lord, allow your Word, which is life, which is alive, which is living, allow your Word to become rhema. Allow your Word to become revelation to all of us in this house of worship. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Let me ask you a question. What are you believing for today? Where's your focus? That's an important question because that will determine the direction in every decision we make. What we're believing for, where our focus is. Whatever has captured our utmost attention will dictate how we make decisions and what decisions we make. I've heard it said and I'll say it again that one life can make a difference you're that one life I mean that those of you watching online you are that one life one life just one person can make a difference If you look through Scripture you'll see how Abraham made a difference Isaac and Jacob look at the life of Moses and then Joshua one man made a difference Look at the life of Deborah, the judge over Israel. One life, her life made a difference. When you look at redemption, you look at the plan of salvation. Jesus was one life that made a difference. You go through and look at the apostles, Peter, James, John. These individuals were one life that made a difference. You're no different. I'm no different from them. Why? Because we are just one life. We were born as one life. And when our days are complete, we will step into eternity one person at a time. One life. So what does that tell you? It tells you that one life is significant. One life can become a determining factor. And you are one life that God can use and when we all capture and embrace that concept that vision then all of the one lives together become an army of God but it has to start individually you may have been when you were saved at a church event or a crusade surrounded by many many other people who had come to the altar with you and even though it was a group setting around that altar you all got saved one person at a time. You know, it's, it's not a, a group event. It's an individual event. That's why one life can turn the tide. One life can change the world. Think about it. Your family, your friends, your community, and even beyond, they can be influenced by you that's a very humbling thought it's a very scary thought because we can influence people for good or for evil or for bad or for compromise or for complacency one life i think one of the biggest strategies satan brings against people is trying to fill them with a sense of insignificance but you are significant your one life if there had only been one human being that walked the face of the earth jesus still would have come for that one life your life matters your life has significance your life has a purpose and it's not just to survive you got to get rid of that survival mentality we're warriors of the cross We're spokespeople for the kingdom of heaven. God has called us to confront the darkness with the light of His Word by the power of the Holy Spirit who resides and dwells within us. One life. One life. If some of you are going through some deep waters right now, that's that's because your one life is a threat to the plan of Satan. If the enemy is taking so much time to focus on your one life, then what is it that scares Him so much about you? Oh, no, this is just life. No, it's about one life, your life. You'll find if you allow God to move in you, you know what will take place? He will bring change through you. When God moves in us, absolutely it changes us forever. But what God wants to do above and beyond, He doesn't want us to contain the change that He brings to us. He wants this change to flow through us into the lives of others. And if we will embrace and understand this principle that He can and will bring change through us, we'll say, well, well how does that happen then? And, and, and what can I do? Choose To draw near. That's the title of my message. If we really want change to flow through us, then we need to choose to draw near. You know, something happens when you draw near to the Lord. When you draw near, heaven touches earth. Because if we reach out to God, we cry out to God, He'll respond, He'll reciprocate. When you draw near, not only does heaven touch us and touch earth, but God's kingdom is established. The Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? On earth. Where do you reside? Earth. I don't see anybody reserving a spaceship to the moon or to Mars. God wants to bring his heaven to earth, and he's not focusing on geology, rock, and soil. Bringing His kingdom to earth is about bringing change and salvation and transformation to you and through you to the lives of others. When you draw near to God, simply put, revival breaks out. Sometimes I think we pray for revival but we really don't expect it. Or we pray for revival but we want that revival on our terms the way we plan our schedules, the way we set our priorities, they really will dictate, they will show, they will illustrate what we're really focused on most in life. I get it, there's responsibilities. But one day you won't have that job. One day the kids will move out of the house, get married, and bring the precious gift of grandchildren to you. One day you'll retire. And when all is said is done, What are we left with? And when we finally draw our last breath, what do you think God is going to focus on most when we stand before Him? What we did for Him. Raising a family is about serving the Lord. I get that. Being a representative in the marketplace, doing our jobs well. And and, and then when God provides opportunity, spreading our faith through relationship. I get that. All of that is important from our careers to our families. God has a priority list, but what is at the top? See, when we draw near, when we hunger for Him, when we thirst for Him, when we draw near, that's when revival breaks out. The 120 in the upper room before the the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What were they doing? They were waiting. They were being obedient. Obedience is an act of worship. I taught on that in my One Word podcast a few weeks back. But when we're obedient, we are worshiping. And because they were obedient, because they were worshiping, they were waiting, and because they were crying out, drawing near to Almighty God, can't beat that revival they encountered, can you? That place was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Tongues as of fire came upon them. They took what God began in that upper room and took it to the streets. And change began to happen. Transformation. God was building this church. Why? Because the church was no longer about brick and mortar. It was about people, flesh and blood. Hallelujah. God living in us not just coming upon us but living within us doesn't get any more intimate than that so here's the question as we consider what it means to draw near how do you do it how can we draw near to god the apostle james he addresses this in his epistle james chapter 4 verses 7 through 10 I'll read, follow along with me, and I want to encourage everyone, again, each Sunday, bring your Bibles, become versed in knowing how to maneuver through Scriptures. James 4, 7 through 10, Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up." There is a wonderful spiritual meal contained within those verses, and we're going to expand on that right now. Drawing near to the Lord, it begins with, and we see it in this portion of Scripture, submission. James says, submit to God. Notice submission precedes resisting. Notice submission comes before dealing with the devil. So many people try to bypass this. But God wants us to know the importance of submission. Do you know what submission is? Submission is placing God's will above our own will. Jesus prayed in the garden the night before. He would be arrested and crucified not my will but your will be done even Jesus had to yield to this principle this obedience of submission to God the Father the Apostle Paul or the Apostle James he references submission in our text when he says submit to God now that word submission in the Greek is actually a combination of two Greek words. The first, hupo, from the word hupotasso. Hupo, which is defined as to be under. To be under. And then tasso, defined as control or addiction. So hupotasso means to be under control or under the influence of an addiction. So let me ask the question, who or what has control over you? See, there can be good addictions. We can be addicted to the Word of God. We can be addicted or under the influence of prayer. And most importantly, we can be influenced, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That's submission. Learning to hear the voice of God and then be obedient to the voice of God once we hear His voice. Again, let me ask, who or what has control over you? Now, there are many things in life that people submit to. When it's a negative, this can give way to what? Destructive behavior. We've seen that when people get involved in the wrong things, and then all of a sudden their behavior patterns change. And and, and then it's self-destructive. It brings harm to themselves and even to the relationships of those around them. If he can become an addictive lifestyle, such as gambling, substance abuse, there are sexual addictions, there are many things that people become compelled by, all because of a negative influence. Sin is addictive. There are people, when they come to the Lord, and they share their testimonies, they say, I wrestled, I struggled with this addiction or this sin for years. Tried to overcome it, tried to break free, went to this group, that group, couldn't do anything with it. But then I met Jesus. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you met Jesus? I knew I am. He changed me. I would have never been here had it not been for the grace and the salvation of Almighty God. So, how should we deal with sin as believers? James says, submit. When we submit to God, do you know what happens? Satan loses control, because you can't submit to two things at the same time. Jesus said you can't have two masters. So we're either submitting or obeying or coming under the control of God, the Holy Spirit, or we're submitting to Satan, which brings the influence and control of spiritual wickedness. And the devil can only control what he can touch. And if we don't submit to him, That means we have not given place to Him. And if we have not given place to Him, that means He cannot control us. Do you know what submission speaks? It's a voice into the heavenly realm, but but it's very clear in the kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of God, kingdom of Satan. They hear this when we submit in this way. It's a statement into the spirit realm. Submission declares, listen to me, hands-off devil, hands-on Jesus. Has anyone ever tried to touch you in an inappropriate way? Your response is you pull back and you go, hands-off. Whoa, step back, buddy. There are times when Satan wants to touch us inappropriately for evil reasons in order to bring us into bondage. And when we say, no longer... No control over my life. I no longer submit to this sin. I no longer submit to what I feel or think I need in life. Your will, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, hands off devil. Hands on God, hands off devil. Amen. Everybody say that with me right now. Just say, hands off devil. Hands on Jesus. Amen. When people do this, it will empower them to stand against the opposition, my second point. See, you submit first, then you deal with the opposition. You deal with the enemy, the devil, second. You can't resist until you first submit to God. I have found if you ignore the devil, he'll stay. A lot of people confuse the word resist with ignore. In our text, James doesn't say ignore the devil and he'll flee from you. He says, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. That's why ignoring is not resisting, James 4, 7. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The Greek word for resist also means and is defined as to set oneself against, to withstand or oppose. So, when we resist, it's We're standing against the enemy, not in our own strength, because we've submitted to God. So we're empowered now by the Holy Spirit to face whatever this thing is we're resisting, whether it be fear, doubt, unbelief, whether it be an addiction of the mind or physical body, a craving, whatever it is, when we submit to God, make things right, draw near to Him, Then when we stand and we resist, we oppose the enemy. You'll see God fight on your behalf. You will see the enemy flee all because of the name of Jesus. All because you allowed the obedience of submission and then you've dealt with the enemy. Submitting means you're drawing near to him. Lord, just like David said, search me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Lord, I don't want anything to give the devil hands on. I want only your hands upon my life. How many of you desire that? Right now, just say, Heavenly Father, I want your hands upon my life. Hallelujah. God heard that prayer. He heard that prayer. When we stand in opposition or against what Satan says and does, you will see the hand of God move on your behalf. Some of you may say, Well, well how do I resist? You know, it's one thing to use the word. Stand in opposition. But how do I resist? Resisting requires three things and we find them in this portion of Scripture. Write this down. If you just listen, you're going to forget it by the time you get home today. The only thing that will be on your mind is that sandwich, that salad, or that slice of pizza pie. All All of the above. So write it down now. Write it down now. The first thing that James states if we're going to really resist effectively he says draw near to god and he'll draw near to you see when you're submitting that's a combination you're drawing near at the same time so when you draw near to god he reciprocates he reciprocates we were made created fashioned for relationship with him you've heard me teach on this throughout my ministry here that Mankind was created because God desired family. That's why mankind, unlike any other part of creation, was made in the image of God. Animal life, plant life, the fowl that fill the air, the fish that swim through the fresh and salt waters, they don't possess a spirit. They are just body and soul, body and mind. Whereas mankind was given a third part, a spirit. And that spirit, little s, that room, that place in every human being's life was made for God to fill with His Spirit, God's room, God's place of residence, and the creation of man in male and female gender that He made in His image so that He could have relationship, intimacy, friendship, so that He could call us Family. Family. All three of the epistles in the New Testament, Paul talks about how we're the family of God, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. You know, the family. God wanted family. And that's why you see that principle, especially in the New Testament under the New Covenant. You see that emphasized time and time and time again. So the first thing we do is we draw near to Him. We acknowledge Him. We celebrate, we we communicate, we have relationship, communication, our spirit, communicating and fellowshipping with God's spirit, spirit to spirit. Drawing near changes everything. Then we see that the apostle says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. When he talks about cleansing, that means to make something holy. Holy our hands represent what we touch what we touch is contingent upon where we go in other words it's referencing our lifestyles where do we go and what are we placing our hands on you'll even find in our day and age especially post pandemic people are very conscious about what they touch and making sure they are cleansing and cleaning their hands why because if you take a meal you don't want anything that could bring harm to your physical health entering into your system and you know spiritually this same principle applies just as we cleanse our hands we're we're choosing where we go choosing about where we go we need to be particular in our lifestyles where we go, what we touch, what we allow our lives, and even the lives we influence, to be influenced by. You know, we are influencers. Like it or not, you are. There is someone that looks up to you. If you're in a family and you have children, sons and daughters, they watch, trust me more than you realize. Even your commitments, your priorities that you establish, your children learn their priorities from your priorities. Mommy and daddy do it. It must be okay. You determine the priority and how important it is even to be in the house of worship based upon your frequency or infrequency in the house of worship. We are all influencers. So our lifestyles will impact others. And that's why it's important, not just for us, not just because of our relationship with Almighty God, but because of the lives of others who we influence. Because remember, one life can make a difference. And because of that, we also set a standard for those around us. You know, we're discipling even when we don't know we're discipling. Look at what David said in Psalm 139 verse 23 and 24. This was his prayer. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, we all have personal blind spots. We do. That means we can also have spiritual blind spots. And that's why it's important When we're drawing near, they ask God, Lord, is there anything that you want to bring to my attention? Do you know when God brings something up, it's not to hurt us, but it's to help us. So when God reveals and shows or challenges us, I ask God to challenge me every day. I do. I want to be a better man. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better Christian, a better husband, a better father a better grandfather. So I ask God for help. I can't better myself. I can only embrace what He shows me I need to better. And when He shows me, there goes what we're talking about, submitting, obeying, yielding, saying yes, Lord, saying yes, Lord. That's what David was doing in this portion of Scripture. You'll find asking God to search your heart will reveal the need the third thing that James brings out in this portion of Scripture, to purify your hearts. See, once we've drawn near to God and once we understand the need for Him to search us and, and to bring cleansing to our lifestyles, our hands, our decisions, even the things that we may feel don't matter that much. It's amazing how we put a scale on what's more inappropriate Than other things in our lives where if it displeases God then don't put it on a scale well this is really a three but that's a ten I'll give up the ten but let's stick with the three for a while because I sort of like the three right we've all been there we've all been hit with that don't put a scale a measuring stick on the level of badness just say Lord if it doesn't make you happy I don't want I don't want it. The other day I was in my office just a lot, um, uh, you know, just in preparation, dealing with things. I'm not only the spiritual leader of this church, but I oversee all of the business affairs. Those of you who came in, you probably saw the scaffolding around the bell towers and and that 60-foot cherry Uh, cherry picker bucket there we're having that all restored then the roof will be done, new gutters will be put on that facility and then a new patio our parking lot's going to be repaved there's a lot going on so I oversee a lot of that And, and so I was just inundated with all these different responsibilities just trying to catch up and be the pastor at the same time which is first and foremost my heart and Cindy came in asked me a question and I was a little sharp and she said, okay, walked out. Then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. That wasn't nice. And I d- honestly didn't mean it in a mean way. I was just busy. Have you ever been so busy? Your kids run in and they say, hey, Dad, hey, Mom, you know, okay? can hey, just give me a moment, son. Give me a moment, daughter. i got to finish this up. It was sort of like that mindset. And my frustration was not with her. My frustration was with so much to do and only two hands to do it. And then I just sat there and the Holy Spirit quickened my heart. Cindy came back in for something else. I said, Cindy, I want to apologize to you. You know, this wasn't meant against you. I was just, as I just explained to all of you. I said, but it just came a call across quick and unkind. And I'm sorry. She goes, oh, it's things like this that make me love you more. And so I began to say, Lord, is there anything else? Right? <laughs> She'll love me more. You see, it's allowing God to be so sensitive to His voice that we're listening. We're listening, not putting them on a higher or a lower level. They're all important when we draw near. They're all important when we're submitting to God. See, when we respond to the Lord's voice in that way, God has promised that when He purifies our hearts, That means he'll deal with our double mindedness because if we have different lifestyles, we have the church lifestyle, the Christian lifestyle, and my work lifestyle. We have one way of thinking when we're interfacing with Christians and and, and just with God, and then another way of thinking when we're in our day to day routines. That's called double mindedness. You can't have two mindsets. You can't have two ways of thinking. can't have two lifestyles. You see things when they, especially if it's a a celebrity and they become, you know, revealed through the media and all of the news stream, you know, providers begin to emphasize this story. It's the story that's capturing headlines so it's going to cause people to watch their channel and increase their ratings. And, And when you see all of this, sometimes when a person is guilty of a certain thing or it's been exposed that they're living in a certain way, then they'll interview people who know the uh, offender and and they'll, they'll say, man, I never knew that. It's like they're two different persons, two different lifestyles. People take and they find out they're married to someone for many years. Then all of a sudden they find out they're married to another person. That happens. Two different lifestyles. It's, also, it's almost like an alter ego that's being played out in real time can't be that way with God. You know, no double-mindedness. In fact, according to God's Word, there's only one way of thinking. There's only one set of rules. There's only one playbook. Can you imagine, in a, whether baseball, football, whatever, team sport? is competing, and if they have two different playbooks, whether for baseball, football, any other, again, team sport, it's going to get very confusing because people will be running by one set of instructions and plays, and and another part of the team by a different set of plays and instructions, and then there's chaos and confusion, people running into each other, and which will eventually lead to the loss of the game. And sometimes people wonder why, why does it seem like I'm losing out in my walk of faith? Why is it that it seems like other people are blessed, but I'm not? And we can't compare ourselves to to others, but we can compare ourselves to God's Word. And if there's two mindsets, two playbooks, two sets of rules, that will never position anyone for success and blessing and breakthrough, and especially in our walk of faith when it comes to standing against the devil and commanding hands-off devil. I'm tired of your influence. I'm tired I'm tired of your disruptions. Hands-on, Jesus. I want more of you. Address whatever you need to address, because I know no one loves me more than you. You indeed have. My best interest at heart. What you say, what you do, and where you go reveals your heart. That applies to me first. Whatever we do, wherever we go, it reveals our hearts. There are no double standards with God. And again, don't take this as, you know, uh, just uh, a parochial. Punishment by hitting your hands with a ruler. That God is harsh and he's trying to come down on you. God loves you. This isn't about hurting you, it's about helping us. Do you know most of what we experience in a negative fashion could be changed in advance if we had reevaluated? our standards. Sometimes a great opportunity is presented for someone with a job, whether Christian or secular, marketplace. Just because it's more money doesn't mean it's what's best for you. Ask God. Some people say, oh, pastor, I've had people through my years, 40 years I've been a pastor. and They've come to me and they said, oh, pastor, man, I didn't pray about this opportunity, I just saw the bottom line. It was good money. And this job has been the biggest nightmare of my life. I said, well, did you ask the Lord beforehand? Well, 20-20 hindsight? No, I did not. But I'm asking God now to make a way, and I'm asking Him to show me His way so I can make the right decision, not my decision. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. Ask God. Don't proceed. I, I, I've seen people step into relationships that are so destructive. And, and then, the, whether the husband or the wife, there's, there's betrayal, there's heartbrokenness, there's pain, there's verbal abuse, sometimes even physical abuse. And, 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 and one's a believer, one's not. And the believer w- would say things like, oh, and again, I've been a pastor 40 years. This is not a scenario just to this church. It's been in all of the three churches I have pastored with. Oh, I just wanted to be married. I I loved him. I thought I could change him. Or I loved her. I thought I could change her. And now, it's chaos. It's not happening. That's because we can't change anybody. Only God can. Always pray and measure your life, your decisions by God's standard his standard is his word amen Amen. if you allow god to purify your heart search me like david prayed do you know what it'll produce humility that word humility is a word that's really misunderstood especially in christian circles most people when they see well they're humble they associate humility with poverty Some people will take a vow of poverty, which that's their choice, but they feel it represents their humility before God and mankind. Well, that is not how Scripture defies humility. Do you know what humility really is? God-dependence. Did you hear me? I don't know if I believe that. I'm versed in Hebrew and Greek, and when you delve deeper into the foundation of words that are used, especially some of the English translations that translators take and place on the Hebrew words or the Greek words, they just put the standard English definition. The English word, whereas in the Greek and Hebrew there are many words that describe just one word in our English language. Humility is indeed God dependence. What do you mean? It's saying, God, I cannot, but You can. I don't have the wisdom for this. I don't have the resources for this. But Lord, You do. You have the wisdom. You have the resources. What did Joseph say to Pharaoh for 13 years, he had been imprisoned in Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's dungeons, convicted of something he never did, sold into slavery because of the hatred and jealousy of his brothers. For 13 years, he just came to the place of surrender that said, Lord, if this is as good as it gets, then I'll serve you even in a prison, even under an accusation for things I never did. Lord, I can't vindicate myself only you can make this right but if this is as good as it gets i'm going to serve you to my dying breath then overnight because joseph had served the lord in the prison when the baker had a dream and the cupbearer had a dream and joseph shared the interpretation by the holy spirit of those dreams and they came to pass One was put to death as spoken by Joseph and one was restored to service by Pharaoh's side as a cupbearer. Two years go by after the man is restored then one night Pharaoh has a dream. All of the sorcerers of Egypt just couldn't put their finger on it. They couldn't interpret it. Then you have the cupbearer who remembers a couple years back. Pharaoh, there was a, a Hebrew that was in the dungeons. And I had a dream and your former baker had a dream. God rest his soul, right? And they came to pass. Maybe he will have the wisdom Pharaoh needs and desires. So Joseph, 13 years. He's just in his daily routine. All of a sudden, unexpectedly, isn't that just like God? Suddenly, unexpectedly, everything changes. Maybe some of you have been doing the right thing, like Joseph in the dungeon, and you're at the place, you say, this must be it. Honor God, because you never know when your suddenly moment, your unexpectedly moment, is going to come for your life. Do you hear me? Why are you any different? He's taken out of the dungeon, he's cleaned up, still doesn't know what's happening, doesn't know if he's going to be executed, but he probably reasoned within his own thought patterns, well, they're cleaning me up, so that's probably good if they were going to kill me, chop off my head, they would have just taken me as I was. And finally when he's informed and he hears Pharaoh's dilemma, God not only gave Joseph what the dream meant, the interpretation. But Joseph was able to speak the dream without being told the dream, word for word, to Pharaoh. He had captured Pharaoh's attention. But before all of that happened, Pharaoh says, I've heard it said of you that you can interpret man's dreams. And Joseph said, I cannot, but God can give the interpretation that Pharaoh desires. That's humility. For 13 years, Joseph lost confidence in his life. He was a very effective man. He was a charismatic man. But he couldn't change what was happening. He couldn't turn his circumstances around. He had come to that place of humility. God dependence. I cannot. But God can. That's humility, and do you know when we come to that place of humility, God dependence, that causes us to step out of the way of God, and it frees God to do what He desires to do in and through us, without of uh, any of us standing in His way, slowing Him down. You ever doing something and you're working on something, somebody says, "Well, no, do it this way." That can be a hindrance. It it can slow people down. We can slow God down. God's ready right now. Everybody say, "God's God's ready. But if we stand in His way, thinking we can fix it, God says, all right. When you're done tinkering, I'll take back over. Joseph was a humble man. And when we come to that place of God dependency, humility... Everything changes, relying on God's ability above human ability, which in turn, what does it do? It enables God to empower you. How many of you want God to empower you? And draw near, submit, resist, humble yourself. James says the result of this, God says through the apostle, he will lift you up. He will lift you up. Now there's this is a significant statement. Cuz when he says he will lift you up, James is referencing resurrection power. He will bring life to you. Life to your dreams. Life to your hopes. A new anointing, a new thing, a new day. He will lift you up. I believe the problem with some of us as believers As we let go, we give up just when God, who has seen our humility and our diligence, is just about to open the door and lift you up. Don't let go. Don't allow the enemy to take and cause confusion, doubt, and unbelief. That's double-mindedness. The moment the enemy knows he can change your thinking and get it more in alignment with what his narrative is, it will lengthen your breakthrough. Refuse it. Resist it. Say no. Be tenacious. The revival that's happening out in Asbury, and you hear about pockets other places, it's because people are tenacious. They're humbling themselves. They're saying, God, this nation needs change. Our lives need change, and we can't do it. That's humility. So I'm stepping out of the way. God, you do it. This revival that has happened there And we pray it just continues to spread. Didn't happen through a big preacher. Didn't happen through through a parachurch ministry. It happened with 20 students who were broken and wanted more. They were hungry. They were thirsty. And look at what God is doing. Only He gets the glory. I say amen to that. Hallelujah. You'll find when He lifts you up, Resurrection power comes upon you over temptation, over your weakness, your limitations, over death, and even over the entire kingdom of darkness. When we allow God to do that in us, we become the devil's worst nightmare. Hallelujah. So many people tremble when they hear the name of Satan and the devil. We should respect him, he's our adversary. But don't fear him don't reverence him when you fear him you're reverencing him fear God reverence him he has the final word amen if you look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 verse 19 it really puts a capstone in what I'm illustrating here Jesus said before the 70 were sent out to preach the gospel he said behold I give you authority, the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I like that. How many of you think that's a great Scripture to have as a promise? And it's applicable to all of you. So in closing, in conclusion, all that God has promised through the words of James, it's possible every blessing every benefit, it's all possible if you will submit, obey, if you will resist, and if you will humble yourself. The choices we make, they honestly determine the road we take. Our choices determine our pathway. Good or bad, they are a determining factor. The choices are made one at a time it's not just one blanket choice, the choices are made one at a time Joshua when he had taken lead and oversight of the nation of Israel Moses was in the presence of God now Joshua is leading here they are at the banks of the Jordan River about ready to cross over to the promised land began to claim the land God had appropriated to them and people were hesitant they remembered what their fathers in the previous generation had done finally Joshua he speaks up and he says choose you the this day who you will serve one choice at a time then he continued by saying as for me and my house we'll serve the Lord that's our choice what's yours I wake up every day and when I get up I just say Lord I choose you today when the enemy may try to come against me with a temptation an attitude an issue an inappropriate mindset double-mindedness Satan tempts us all. Jesus was tempted in every way like us, yet without sin. So I choose to be tempted without sin, if temptation will come, and it will. And I just say, even when that hits, comes against me, as the Lord, I've made the decision. I've made the decision. I choose you this day. I choose Jesus. And then I say, Satan, be gone. I choose Jesus you. I choose righteousness. I choose obedience. I choose faithfulness. Every day we make a choice. Choose you this day. It's time to choose. Not just once, but as a lifestyle. As a lifestyle. It's time to draw near. Submit resist and humble yourself. This is the precursor for revival. When we as God's people do this, that will become like a magnet to the presence of God. He will be drawn to you as a person. How many want that in your life? then choose to draw near set aside time for prayer set aside time where you study and read his word devotionally set aside that time so that you're not forsaking worshiping with your brothers and sisters of the faith set aside time to honor him set aside time that if you're about your daily duties and a divine interruption happens choose that time that moment to give whatever is necessary for jesus choose today can't choose tomorrow you're not there yet and you can't go back and re-choose yesterday because that's impossible you can only choose today in the moment choose today thanks for listening to the river of life church podcast Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit ROLCDoylstown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.